We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, regular guest on the show, Lucas Kaplan of Nets Republic and Nets Daily. Lucas, how are we doing? Doing pretty well. How about you? I'm doing okay. I would be doing better if the Nets played well tonight. They lost to the Warriors 117-99. Not what we wanted to see. We're going to jump to it and play more, and you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Lucas, right off rip, what stuck out to you in this one? I think it was just disappointing we didn't get a good game or at least a good finish, because that first half was super fun. Um, just on the surface level, it was like a, a classic NBA primetime game. It felt like everyone was jacked up, uh, all the natural storylines, and guys were going hard. It was fun. Um, I think it really just came down to the Nets getting outclassed um, and their top talent just outperformed. So tonight is, I guess, what's going to get just what's going to happen when that happens. Yeah, like you said, you know, uh, the Warriors, they turned it up to a different level, I think, in the second half. And the Nets almost dropped down a level in comparison to what we saw early in this game. And then, you know, Kevin Durant had one of his off games of the season. But not to say that was the only reason. I think the Nets missed some of their guys. But again, Golden State's without Klay Thompson. So there's really no excuses on that front either. What did you think, I guess, starting on the offensive side of the ball, the Nets in that second half put up 18 in the third and 23 in the fourth. And a lot of that fourth was just kind of garbage time points. What do the Warriors do defensively to really shut down Brooklyn? Well, the thing about the Nets is that, first, I will say there were some Milwaukee Bucks-like possessions from games five through seven where Harden um, would just dribble around for 10, 12 seconds, not really sure what to do, kind of probing, and then handed, hand a grenade to KD with <laughs> six, seven seconds left on the clock. And you can't do that against the Warriors because maybe as much, if not more, than the Bucks of last year, they have amazing individual defenders i mean their ability to rotate you know gary payton the second wiggins even steph on harden steph has been really great on that end this year and kuminga off the bench i haven't even said iggy draymond green had a few great possessions on kd tonight 
it just doesn't work. Um, and then on top of that, they have too many guys that can't do anything other than shoot a wide open three or, you know, kick it back out to Harden. And that killed them tonight, I think. Just even when the ball's moving or there's a drive and kick, the ball just sticks, you know, because Blake isn't capable of attacking a closeout or defenses aren't respecting somebody else's shot. So a mix of things for sure. Yeah, I think, like you said, Golden State won a great defense. And I think rotation-wise, this is a smart team and understanding like, hey, we're going to be able to sag off a of Blake, a sag off a of Bruce Brown, sag off a of Bembry. You know what I mean? They're just guys who aren't going to be quick triggers, and that just puts more pressure. And then also Steve Kerr was in the back throwing some different looks at James Harden and Kevin Durant, just kind of making life more difficult for those guys. And also, like you said, there's some good defensive talent on this team, and the Nets missing some of their you know offensive pop, be it Joe Harris and obviously Kyrie Irving not in this game. It's just it's going to be a lot to surpass, especially if you're not playing great basketball. And like you said, Harden was stagnant. And then I felt like off ball, a lot of possessions, like especially when you have the Warriors on the other end, there's just constant movement and action everywhere on the court. For the Nets, you sometimes it's just a possession is like we're just trying to get Kevin Durant the ball. Yeah, there was not a lot of off ball action. The one if you're going to look for a positive offensively this game, it's that in a matchup like this. Guys like Bruce Brown and Bembry can not only thrive, but they can play together because they bring that screening, that rolling, that downhill stuff. And even though Bembry kind of had a weird finishing night, a little erratic, I think, as Matt Brooks put it on the timeline, he really shined on that in this game. Um, I will say it felt like if we think about the offseason in retrospect, it felt like they built, built for the Bucks and the Lakers. Yep. This game really exposed that because they went, you know, they probably would have been better suited to play in a game like this last year. Not only Kyrie and Joe, but guys like Jeff Green. Yep. A hundred percent. I think looking at this game, you think, wow, Jeff Green would have definitely been on playing a role, just a guy that's switchy and around that range. And then also, I think even just like Claxon being out, given he hasn't played well this season, but still great switching big. And then like Millsap, I still think is, we've talked about a lot on that Bulls recap. Like he's still a guy that I think switches better than um, Blake Griffin at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, Millsap, I think, would have helped um, at least, you know, especially in those Looney minutes because they matched Aldridge with Looney, but there was still a spot, a speed and size, um, you know, deficit for the Nets. So maybe Millsap bridges that where he's closer to a traditional big like Looney is, but he's not fully Aldridge where you are really just in constant panic mode if he leaves the paint on defense. Um, and I feel like the Warriors do such a good job when they catch you in panic mode. You know, that's what they did tonight. Either they got Aldridge on the switch and he was he got taken to the bucket or it was just like, oh, somebody tried to overhelp and now someone's wide open for a three or a layup. Well, then the Warriors, that's a great point because the Warriors don't lose advantages. Um, every advantage they have, they maintain because guys are cutting, moving and passing so quick. Like Iguodala is just such an underrated extra passer. The ball sticks in his hands for maybe a, a tenth of a second. Whereas the Nets, you see Blake Griffin catches it in the corner and an advantage might die just because he doesn't make a quick decision. I think Millsap is a lot better in that regard. And even Patty Mills, you know, he is off the dribble game is, is just a one dribble, two dribble pull up. Yep. So even a guy like him is not maintaining those advantages because he's not a great, um, you know, paint pressure guy. Although he is, he does make the extra pass, but... No, the Nets have to capitalize on advantages so quickly. They can't maintain them, I think, over long periods of time. 
Do you think this is that's an issue with some of like the roster and like some of the injury and just having some limitations with these guys, or that's just like other guys need to play better and make quicker decisions? Today it felt like a roster thing um, on the micro on a lot of levels. Uh, Joe Harris just being the day-to-day injury guy that was out that really yep. stung. Um, on a grander level, Kyrie is a band-aid for all of this. And then thinking back to last offseason, the choices they know they did make. You know, again, a guy like Jeff Green prioritizing bigger, slower players. Um, and even Patty Mills, who, again, is, is more of a play finisher, absolute shooter type. Uh, it felt like roster more today. Yeah, I agree. I think that then the Warriors capitalize on that, especially with a couple injuries that were sprinkled in there. It's just like, OK, you know, this is we can make life really difficult for these other guys. And it just felt like on so many different plays where it's like Harden might beat one guy. There was two guys waiting for him or even some of like the guys that hesitated on their drives. Like it's just like, all right, well, Golden State just has help after help after help. And they just do a great job of that. And their hands were so active in the passing lanes, like Gary Payne got a few deflections just. Draymond had some on KD, which is rare, just given how tall he is. It is, and I think it's because they don't have a lot of shooters where defenders are more okay with turning their back yep. to their defenders. You know, Obviously, that's a recipe to get back cut, but late on the drive, when you're fully contesting you know, the driver, you don't really have to worry about closing out. So you can, I think, divert more of your energy to you know, selling out for steals, which against the Nets of last year was a recipe for disaster, but this year it makes aggressive defense a lot easier to play against them. Yeah, because there's guys that aren't going to punch you. Like you talked about, it might stick in Blake Griffin's hand because he doesn't want to take that three. Bruce, you know, he'll take wide open threes, but he's not really popping a lot. We saw Bembry turn down a couple looks in this game, which is fine because that's not really his game. So definitely just some issues. Um, Moving, I guess, over to the defense for the Nets, what did you think was the biggest issue for them tonight defensively? Was it the fact that they just were switching everything and they haven't had a lot of reps switching this year? I think so. Some of it, there were a few curious decisions, honestly. Um, Tonight was not a good Steve Nash game for a a number of reasons, which I'm sure sure we'll get into. But, you know, there was a play that I remember they brought in Aldridge um, on the non-Steph minutes while Looney was in. And Poole comes off of a screen that Looney sets. And instead of Bembry just chasing him over, Aldridge switches and gets cooked. Yep. And that's one where you think, this is exactly why we're adopting some drop defense. Um, I thought the Nets overall on defense and in their you know schemes in general just blinked first tonight. I felt like they'd been playing well, the Warriors had been playing well, and the Nets tried to make the first counter adjustment um, and get away from how they played you know, whether you want to call that being spooked a little or scared of, of defending those high ball screens with Steph um, or just playing opponents that weren't that strong offensively on this past road trip, you know, it could be a number of reasons. But I think that's what I saw from them defensively tonight. Yeah, I just felt like guys weren't really sure where they need to be. And I felt like off ball, obviously, the Warriors are already extremely difficult to defend and given like you don't have these reps especially with some of the guys on this team it just felt like some of the switches were a step slow lead to you know easy cuts easy buckets I remember seeing a tweet by Gotham's Reckoning where it was like 43 percent of the Warriors shots have come at the rim and they were like 83 percent on those shots and I think that was earlier in the game but it just was just easy stuff for them they were getting a lot of just open looks down low and that was a lot of just like sometimes just confusion or just getting that one step advantage Yeah, I think there's been a lot of games where I noticed the Nets in film being like, oh, that switch was weird. You know, the offense didn't capitalize on though. Oh, there was like a a two-second buffer on that switch. 
and versus the Warriors, every little half second of indecision, much yep. like the Miami Heat, which we saw um, in that game, w- it will be capitalized on. Yeah, uh, it's, it's almost good for the Nets, I think, in a way. Obviously, you never want to lose games, but to kind of get smacked in the mouth and be like, all right, well, like defensively, we're not even close to where we need to be if we're facing up with a team like the Warriors in the finals. Or I don't think there's really any comparable team in the East that plays this small. Maybe Miami, but it's still like a different thing given, you know, Steph Curry's its own different animal. Yeah. I think if you really, you know, you might want to say the Hawks, but even then the Hawks don't really offensively play like that last year. Obviously, I'm imagining, a, you know, closer to the Hawks of 2021. Um, but, yeah, this there's, there is really no comparison for the Warriors, which makes games like these hard to analyze, you know, in the grand scheme of things, because the triangle and twos, the off-ball movement, you know, Steph's gravity, you don't really replicate that against other opponents. Um, so it is a good measuring stick game in a sense, because, you know, this is the best team in the league for now. But in another sense, it'll be hard to work on the things they need to work on for this team when facing, you know, the Cavs tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only benefit would be like if you see this team, you get the playoff prep, which is substantially different than regular season prep, even on short time. But um, I guess kind of going to the player breakdowns. Getting to Kevin Durant, probably, you know, his first off night of the season, 19 points, 6 and 19 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, uh, 5 of 6 in the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 0 steals, 0 blocks, 2 turnovers. What did you think of KD tonight? Well, KD definitely missed some looks, um, but I do also want to credit the Warriors uh, and their scheme again, just being able to really press up into KD um, just as a 7-footer who operates from the perimeter. That's always sort of been the way teams choose to try to stop him, you know. We remember Chris Paul guarding him in those Clippers Thunder series, just getting into his jersey. And when you can help so far off of guys, you know, like a Blake Griffin, you're not worried about that as much because KD is always looking at three guys between him and the basket, yep. and his pull-up is still being pressured. Um, he also they did a good job getting him off his spots too. Yeah, just being forceful. Yep. Because he did, like we typically see, it feels like almost five elbow jumpers, you know, every single game. And they're not super contested, but at least semi contested. He knocks them down. And just tonight, some of those looks weren't going down. I felt like also a couple plays he was pressing. You know, he made a mistake maybe defensively, next possession down, tried to force a shot up. There were just some shots like going left that were just really, really tough looks. And some of that's Warriors defense, some of that just him trying to kind of put the team on his back a little bit. And it's harder to do, like you said, because there's just possessions where I feel like he had the ball at the top of the key, Draymond on him, and defenders left and right kind of with two steps in, almost already at the elbow, ready for him on the drive. Yeah, it it definitely felt like a combination of him just not shooting as well as he has and the Warriors being able to get into that shot more. And like you said, push him off his spots, play more physical. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Moving over to the other superstar, uh, James Harden, 24 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 10 of 11 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 4 assists five turnovers probably more of his work was done in the first half but he did have some moments that third quarter what do you think overall of James I think it was the best physically he's looked that has to be an encouraging sign yep he was ready to attack every time down and um you know as I mentioned before I think everyone was pretty jacked up for this game but it was nice to see that included James Harden um physically he looked very good uh the downside though is that he is suffering from this lack of space and this lack of, you know, offensive creativity and in part causing it um, just as much as anybody. Yeah. And defensively, I thought this game was probably one of his rougher ones. Offensively, like you said, aggressively kind of getting downhill. There was a couple drives, that one drive on Draymond where he got the step and then like took the, the contact. That's what you want to see some bully ball from James Harden. But defensively especially in matchups like this is where you really worry about James like you mentioned before on the switching when you're a second or two late that's an open three for somebody and Harden just doesn't have that much effort on the end of the floor especially with him probably not being 100% conditioned and it also being the regular season yeah I had a tweet like I'm more worried about Harden guarding Gary Payton than the inverse which is (laughs) ridiculous because uh, I guess the optimist view of that is that Harden looked fine you know with Gary Payton Jr. guarding him really I mean I wasn't worried about him attacking the rim. You said he had 11 free throws. You know, I think I thought he could have had 15, 17 tonight. Yeah. Um, there were definitely a few missed calls. But yeah, they the Warriors know how to expose him, how to run Curry off the screens. He got back out a couple times. This is not a great matchup for him for sure. Yeah, and like you said, some of the lineups that he's put out there with, it's just like I'm not sure what James Harden's going to do. I want to say it was like James Johnson, Bembry, uh, Javon Carter, and then I can't remember who the last guy was. Maybe it was Patty Mills or Bruce Brown, but just like not enough. And they just felt like the same thing I mentioned with Kevin Durant, ready on the drives. Like there was guys always ready there to kind of stick their hands in. A couple times he was able to get to the free throw line with that, but it just puts a ton of pressure on him to create with so many eyes on him all the time. Exactly. And at this point in the year, you worry about him, I think, being a little overburdened. These yep. these heavy minutes, but also these um, high stress minutes. Obviously, the minutes weren't as heavy tonight because he didn't play in the fourth. But when he's out there, he is the offense. Um, I think last year, you know, the benefit of having three superstars is guys can take their turn and the hot hand sort of naturally emerges from one of those guys. And it's not really shot hunting. Um, but here within the just Harden lineups or just Harden and KD, there's such a lack of, of ball handling on the floor that any dribble penetration you want has to come from him. Um, yeah, I I agree. I think they're really missing a true backup point guard, somebody who can like set the show up, kind of create for others and do things like that. It's just like you said, even Kevin Durant sometimes is just like tossing the ball to James Harden, like make a play, kind of get the offense going. And like you said, early on, it's just been a lot of him. And 
there's not really another guy on this roster that could probably supplement that. You know, maybe Cam Thomas, but I don't think he's there yet in terms of doing that. If he's going to get on the floor, it's probably just scoring for himself. So what do you think the answer is for the Nets in terms of James Harden's burden of creating? It's hard because I, I really think it would have to be a more roster-oriented um, fix unless you, you know, totally overhaul, overhaul the offense um, or at least make significant changes to add in more player flex movement, a more flowing offense. But, you know, as we know, I don't think either of us expect the Nets to do that anytime soon. And I don't really think it makes a ton of sense given the roster. Um, but yeah, We got about a month to, I think, you know, free agents can be traded, I think, December 15th. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a move early on or just some type of addition. Obviously, there's always been the talk about maybe some of these veteran backup point guards get bought out, John Wall, Goran Dragic, or something like that. But that's probably going to take a lot longer. Interested to see what the Nets do in the short term. Like you mentioned, I don't think they're going to change the scheme. And it doesn't seem like there's guys that create because Javon Carter, Patty Mills, that's just not their game. No, they. you imagine those guys as, as working so well next to a Kyrie yep. because you're not even worried about the size of the backcourt because both of those guys can defend, they're athletic, they can shoot well enough. You know, the Nets ran out plenty small backcourts last season, and that was never really their issue. Um, yep. You don't and imagine, even the backcourts from last year had more ball handling and shooting than what they probably have now. Yeah, and you don't imagine those guys as – you know, as you've talked about, the traditional backup point guards playing without either of the stars. You know, that felt more like a move to counter Golden State. Um, but the issue is without Kyrie or without a guy that can set the floor, um, it's not they don't operate, you know, as complementary wing type of players. Yep. I mean, this roster is created to complement superstars, especially like in your expecting Kyrie, you know, has the ball in his hands a lot, creates a lot for himself and does for others. So it's just like that's a missing piece that they just don't have right now. But I guess getting to some of the other guys, uh, Bruce Brown, 14 points, six of eight from the field, one and one from three, one and two from the free throw line, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, uh, zero turnovers. I thought Bruce played with a ton of energy in this game. He did. And he really benefited actually from playing this Warriors team versus some of the bigger, slower teams, although not as talented, that they'd played on the road trip. Um, the Pelicans was a particularly tough matchup for him. Um, don't think he had a great game against the Thunder either. Um, and obviously the talent levels on those teams is far below Golden State's. But the pace of this sort of game, the open floor of this sort of game really helped him. And it was nice to see him go, what, six for eight or shoot a yep. high percentage after having a couple offers, I think, on the road trip. Um, that definitely, him and Bembry, I think, were the biggest positives for me. Yeah, and he had a nice drive in this game, too, where he kind of, like, it wasn't even necessarily on a closeout. He just kind of took that quick first step and got to the rim. And that, I think that's something I'd maybe like to see a little bit more from Bruce Brown, just given some of the other limitations of guys in this team. And I thought he did a pretty good job on Steph, as good as you can probably do, especially with the net switching. He was kind of always trying to fight through the play and just make that extra effort. And I think he does well against teams like this, too, is, like, it's not as hard to finish for him. You know, a lot of the season we've seen, you know, another big being there, especially because Blake's not getting much respect. I think he looks pretty comfortable attacking a lot of these Warriors bigs or wings in the paint. Yeah, there's just more space for him around there, and and yep. the height is not a disadvantage with him. You know, we know he can get off the ground, and it's easier for him, him to jump with people that are 6'7", 6'8", versus, you know, 6'11", 6'10". 
Exactly. Then he has doesn't have to shoot like that crazy high floater. It could be kind of more of a normal shot. But moving over to Blake, four points, 0-4 from the field, uh, 0-2 from three, 4-4 from the free throw line, two rebounds, one assist, one steal. And I think he drew three charges in this game. Yeah, the charges are... The only bright spot. <laughs> the only bright spot. And I hate the charge, and I think it should be abolished. So it's even harder for me to watch Blake Griffin when the only thing he does is the basketball crime out there. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he. I've been saying it all year, and I think he really got exposed tonight. But versus, you know, athletic, small teams, you know, with a lick of shooting... It's just it's just tough. He's just a tough watch at this point. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. And offensively, he's just not getting any respect, especially from a team like this. They're just like, OK, Blake's going to, you know, take the ball and try to score in this possession. We'll take it because how what would he see at the end of the first half? He had that possession that pretty much led to three extra points for the Warriors. And while it's better for him to roll, I think Stan Van Gundy pointed that out. He's better as a roller than, you know, a popper, a spacer, just by virtue of guys not closing out because he can't shoot this year. That's still not his strength. You know, he doesn't offer the explosiveness, the finishing down there. So, and and I'm just not really sure what his purpose is on offense at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's not the Blake of five years ago. We could get him on the roll from five years ago. I mean, it would be pretty crazy. But do you think it's time for Nash to look at maybe starting somebody else in the starting lineup? Or do you think they're kind of just going to stick with Blake for a while? Oh, I think it's time, um, but I also think your latter point is true. I mean, at this point, what we've seen from the Nets, and I get it, you know, I get the politics of it, but he is locked in as the starter. Um, maybe if if the results beg of it or, you know, to a certain extent, he gets more of the DJ treatment later in the season, mm-hmm. the buyout or Millsap's playing really well or Claxton does take that leap that many were expecting. Maybe he gets the courtesy six, eight minutes to start each quarter. But at this point, he's, I think, been their worst rotational big. And um, this tonight was just the cherry on top for me. Yeah, I like the idea of the kind of the six minutes in the first and six minutes in the third. You know, you still give him that respect, but it's like you can't really do things until maybe your shot comes back. We saw Patty Mills get the start tonight. Uh, Eight points, three of eight from the field, two of five from three. Two rebounds, four assists, one steal. What'd you think of Patty tonight? This isn't even really a matchup for Patty either, which is interesting to think about because you think, oh, he's small. He really is a good off ball mover and he shoots well. But that is a great sort of injection of energy versus, I think, bigger, slower teams that have a tougher time guarding on the perimeter. Um, you know, he exploded that first game versus Milwaukee, played really well versus the Sixers, um, on and on. Um, but versus this team, the lack of paint pressure, I think, and mm. the lack of, I guess, just physicality sort of limited him here. And just like I said earlier, when he gets that advantage, it's either a shot or a two dribble pull up. Um, him in the starting lineup, even over Joe Harris, you miss a little bit of what Harris can bring to the paint. And obviously Kyrie, you know, it's no competition. Yeah, I think Patty makes more sense if Joe is in the lineup. You know what I mean? As just like yeah. that extra spacer and he's finishing off the p- a play like you mentioned before. Just kind of having him as a guy, they've, they're going to close out hard. And then if he does take that pull-up mid-range shot, I think that's something they're okay with. Or there might be somebody else making that rotation. So overall, not like a bad game for Patty Mills, but not anything where I'm just like, wow, that was a really good game. So moving over to Bembry, uh, nine points, four of eight from the field, 0-1 from three, one of four from the free throw line, five rebounds, one assist, two steals. 
uh, like you kind of mentioned earlier, was a little sporadic with the finishing. There was just a couple layup attempts where I feel like they were just a little bit more out of control than normal. Yep, and that's what you're going to get with Bembry, I think, at this point. But he shot four of seven on twos today. Yep. I mean, obviously, you know, whatever, small sample size. But, like, if he can get to five of seven, that's, like, a really great day. And four of seven, just the percentages. But, you know, the difference is one made shot. So today, I thought, despite the maybe slightly more erratic finishing than usual, was a classic Bembry day. Yep. And I mean that as a, as a compliment because I think this is what his season has been building towards. Um, this was a perfect matchup for him. He played really well in past appearances, and he was awesome today. I mean, I thought he was all over the place defensively, had really the Nets' best possessions of the night on Steph. Yep. Uh, there was one possession where had a great denial chasing Steph around the, you know, around a screen, and then maybe Steph caught it and he stonewalled him. And then he switched right onto Wiggins and guarded him from 18 feet. And that is sort of the, you know, him and Brown are probably the only guys that can really do that on this team. And do it well. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like whoever they're on, you just feel like they're not going to score. And if they do score, it's like they really earned it. So having Bruce Brown and Ben Ray, just like two very good on-ball defenders and guys that apply pressure and play with tenacity is definitely something. I mean, it's just interesting just given some of the limitations and like how the Nets are able to kind of have him on the floor. I think, you know, playing Blake or just another non-shooter at times can make it more difficult where it's like if they do have four out and Bembry is the only guy that's not shooting threes or if he's able to be in the corner, I feel like he's even more effective. So it's almost like he could have probably even been better if, you know, the roster allowed it tonight. Yeah, and Bembry works as a, you know, I don't want to – sort of term a bunch of guys non-spacers um, and have it be and have them, you know, draw too many similarities because Blake offers a lot less in terms of what he can do offensively while still being a pretty similar spacer. Um, the reason why Bruce and Benbury work, I think, together is because when those guys get the ball, they're attacking the rim. Yeah. I mean, we saw it a bunch from Benbury tonight. If he's not shooting the three, he's going right when he catches it. And that the Nets just need guys to do that right now. I mean, they need guys to just take chances and do something. And it sounds a bit, you know, simplistic without Kyrie out there. But I really appreciate, like, Paul Millsap when he was in, just attacking closeouts and, like, you know, enough of, the, enough of them worked out where it added some pace, it added some, you know, activity in the Nets offense. And Bruce and Bembry both being guys that do that and guys that cut off the ball, offensive rebound, get in position around the rim – you know, they don't hamper the offense as non-spacers. I think Bembry even does a better job attacking closeouts uh, than Bruce ben Brown. Bruce. Yeah. yeah. He's just more definitive in terms of attacking the rim, even in like maybe situations where he possibly shouldn't. But still, it's like you said, they need some type of rim pressure. And after Kevin Durant and James Harden and, you know, Katie's not always doing that. I'm not sure where else they're getting it from. There's just not many guys who are attacking the paint that hard. I mean, Bruce does it sometimes, but even he doesn't get all the way to the rim a lot of the time. Right. I think Bruce is a little bit better as the off-ball mover, as the dunker spot guy. Yep. And Bembry is a little better as, you know, with the ball in his hands. But I think if you flip that for them, they're each adequate enough at the other thing. Like, I have no complaints about Bembry as a cutter, as a as a low block guy. And yep. Bruce, when he puts the ball on the floor, I'm not, you know, I'm not too critical of it. I think, obviously, I don't want to go overboard on, on Bembry and saying he's an offensive player, this, that. But it's more so just what the Nets need right now, even if he clearly has his limitations. Yeah, definitely something to kind of experiment when. Moving on to Javon Carter, 
Uh, three points, one of four from the field, one of four from three, one rebound, one assist, two steals, one block. What do you think about Javon Carter? Not much tonight. Um, I think you envision him as a little better if he's going to be like the Steph guy to go in and hound him. It's a little yep. similar to what Kaminga was for KD in the second quarter and, and Peyton on Harden sometimes. Uh, Carter's team defense, there's been a couple lapses for me this year that I guess have kind of been surprising. Steph got one open three that he missed just because Carter fell asleep after Steph gave it up. Um, and then offensively, you know, like a much worse version of Patty Mills, he doesn't add much besides being a decent extra passer. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he, he's not going to stand out in a game like this when they're sorely lacking for offensive creation and Bruce and Bembry are, are flying around on defense anyway. Yeah, and at least Patty Mills gets respect off ball where it feels like teams are willing to come off Javon Carter as well. Uh, one of four from three. So it's just like if he's going to have an impact on offense, it's probably going to be from three. If he's not hitting those threes, then he's not really doing much. And like you said, defensively, he's you know good on ball, but there's are moments where he looks just a little confused. But moving on to James Johnson, we saw him in the first half. Uh, Steve Nash kind of experimented a little with him. Oh, one from the field, uh, one rebound, and that's <laughs> that's it for James Johnson. Yeah, that one, uh, that O of one, you know, he caught it in that right dunker spot and tried to leap under, you know, and finish with the lefty on the yeah. other side of the rim, and he hit the bottom of the rim. <laughs> I think that is the perfect play to encapsulate how I felt about James Johnson this year. Yeah. Because if he, you know, is a guy that can finish that and can finish on the other side of the paint on a play like that, it's like, man, you know, that could be really inspiring for the Nets. If he can be that 6'8 role guy and, you know, be a little bit of a – less athletic but bigger sort of Bruce Brown yep. than to put it very simplistically then he is a role on this team that's why I was kind of preseason like hey I I'm curious I'm intrigued and you know I, th I don't blame myself for having that intrigue but at this point it just seems like he is too his legs aren't there anymore yeah, I mean, I watched some of the film, too, before the season started, and I was like, oh, maybe there could be something. But it feels like Father Time just, like, smacked him. Like, he just yeah. looks – I don't know if he's out of shape. He's sluggish. It's just, like, there isn't much energy for him. And, like, last year on the Pelicans, he had a couple, like, drives and dunks where it's just like, oh, maybe there is a little bit more juice in these legs. But right now, it doesn't even seem like he's super, like, locked in either. Like, there was a couple possessions where I was just like, I think – one play where maybe in Steph got an open three or like he didn't end up taking it where James Johnson was just like really behind on the switch. And it's like, yeah, that's Steph Curry. Like I'm pretty sure everyone knows they yeah. need to get out on him. Yeah. It's like the Nets would never do this. Um, I said this in a chat somewhere, but the Nets would never do this because of the rep as a player's first organization. And this is the sort of thing that builds respect, but you know, Kessler Edwards would have been awesome Better. in his minutes. You know what I mean? As a yep. similar, just just by way of the energy, the flying around, you know, if you're going to make mistakes, at least make them overzealous mistakes. You know, try too hard. Be somewhere a second early, you know, make the extra pass. Um, whereas Johnson's mistakes are like they're a result of not enough activity. And at this yeah. point, you just it's a common theme. I feel like I've been repeating self. We need more, even if some of it doesn't end well. Yeah, you just need more energy, more pop. And he just looks super sluggish it's almost like a downer to the team sometimes and it looks like he wants to do things but he just really can't but getting to Lamarcus Aldridge uh we only saw him in the second half two points one of three from the field all of one from three one rebound one assist uh one steal Lamarcus a lot of fans wanted to see him in the first half I think given the matchup there's reasons why Nash didn't roll with him what were your thoughts on this I think 
I would have at least liked to see him fail before not going to him. Pulled. Just because it's been he's you can't underrate how important he's been to the Nets offensively this year. Just how many possessions have started sluggish and ended with a simple pick and pop to 18 feet for LaMarcus because defenses are trained to give that up or he's just creating something from 12 feet. You know, that's been a key to the non-KD minutes out there and even the minutes with KD. And for them to go away from that, I think they blinked first, like I said earlier. You know, they thought they needed to adjust to the Warriors while underrating, I think, a own, their own success or a part of their own success so far. Yeah, I think he's easily been their third best offensive player, especially from a production perspective, just because like he's hitting shots, he's scoring points. There's been numerous games he's hit over the 20-point mark, or he's even scored more than like a James Harden. And I think that's where it's like maybe, like you mentioned, not adjusting as much of the Warriors, especially if you have a lineup out there with Brown and Bembry and, you know, Patty Mills and, you know, even Kevin Durant, and you're not switching everything and you're going to drop, especially if Steph Curry's not on the floor, just playing like your normal stuff and seeing if that works, like you mentioned, because they definitely missed him offensively just because other guys just aren't as good offensively as he is. He's just a really talented player in terms of scoring the basketball. Like they said in the broadcast, there's a reason he has 20,000 points. Like he can just shoot for mid range. He can add that three point shot too. I think it was the previous game. He shot three of five or at least one of the yeah. last two games on the road trip. So it's like, you know, that's, I think an aspect that they really missed given how good he is offensively. I think you need to find a way to get him on the floor. I do understand, you know, the liability from the defensive perspective, but that's only if you are switching. Right. And it's not like Blake was better. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be one thing if you were worried about the switch and playing at the level and you had a better option. But to me, it feels like you're getting all of the negative parts of the trade-off with none of the reward. You know, yeah. again, it comes back to Blake for me. Blake over Aldridge in theory, you're a little smaller, but you're a little faster. Uh, you're a little quicker. You're a little more athletic. But Blake is just not enough of those things to match what Aldridge brings you offensively. Um, so, I, you know, I, maybe, again, the Warriors were really creative. Maybe we, I wish we could have seen some more creativity from the Nets, you know, perhaps maybe nexting those screens, bringing the guy on the wing over to double step at the point of attack and rotating with Aldridge in the paint. Um, but I was a little disappointed by both how they used him. And, you know, I can't sit here and lie and say that he looked great in his minutes either. Yeah, I think it is, you know, it's a tough matchup for him regardless, but I think that's also kind of like we mentioned earlier, this is maybe a game where you go with Millsap and Clax, or maybe if the roster is constructed differently, you're seeing more KD at the five lineups. They just like don't really have the players on this roster currently, especially with this rotation to go, you know, KD at the five. It's where you even miss Joe Harris because I think you can put out more lineups where it's just like, all right, we got Patty, we got Joe, we got Harden, we got KD. You know, you put Brown, Bembry, you know, there's an option. You have another guy in the rotation. Like tonight they were literally limited, I think, on bodies in just in terms of like who they could play. Harris hurts tonight because those, you know, maybe Mills, Harris, Harden, KD, and then Bembry, or and then Brown. Yep. Work in part because you get more of the offense with that size. Whereas if you play Mills, Brown, Bembry, Harden, KD, you're losing some of that offensive juice without really sizing up. And Joe's been great defensively this year. Um, so, yeah, just another ancillary guy that can attack a closeout, hunt a three. Um, the one thing I do want to say about Aldridge is it felt like the Nets have really adopted the mid-range as part of their identity this year because they have two 6'11", seven-foot guys that can shoot over people whenever yep. they want. Aldridge could have done that tonight. You know, he, there's no one on the Warriors roster that really 
can contest his shot as well as a seven footer can. Um, biggest guys, you know, Looney at six nine, six ten, maybe. But you know, again, it just felt like the Nets went away from that identity tonight. And Looney only played 15 minutes, so it's not like, you know, that's a guy on the floor. I mean, I think he feels pretty comfortable shooting over Draymond and the rest yeah. of those guys. So I think – and he's also just been a guy who's been in the rotation has played a lot of minutes with these guys in this team. That doesn't have its full lock of chemistry yet. But I guess just uh, quickly touching on some of the young guys that got some minutes tonight, anything stick out from Cam Thomas, Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp? I mean, Cam is a chuck, <laughs> but <laughs> no, we knew that. Um Cam was the floater looked good. The floater looks good. I would hate to play with him uh, if I was one of those guys. Yeah. Um, no, he, he had a dump down in Dayron and a kick out to whatever, Kessler, who, by the way, looks good. You know, I know why they would never play him, and I know that if you play him 20 minutes, it probably you get some worse moments than if you play him four minutes. But just as a guy, the Warriors would have to close out to in, in space. I mean, it, it felt like it would have been worth it, you know? I mean – is he really that negative on defense? You know, I mean, he's six seven, six eight, and he's built like a, you know, basketball player. out of his muscles. Yeah, I mean, he just has the wingspan too, like the length. It just seems like a guy. It's like you're using his game. You know, obviously, you only get so many games with the two way stuff. Why not play him a little bit more minutes? So, I like Kessler Edwards. I'm really interested in what he could do, and I'd love to see him maybe even play in this Cavs game for like an extended period of time and just see if that's somebody you can add because you play a young guy, it's going to give you more energy. The three point shot isn't the prettiest, but it goes down at least percentage wise. And I just like think there's something there. Not that I think he's going to turn into this perfect three and D guy, but I think down the line he could be that guy. Right. And I think in the short term, it's a band-aid just because it's a guy the defense has to close out to and, and worry about in space. And at the same time, you know, he's six, seven, six, eight. Um, how we know he's not going to be atrocious, you know, defensively. Yep. That's a guy to me that, I mean, again, I think this is so unlikely, but could work with a stars type of guy. If you yep. want to buy some of your, you know, Joe Harris, when he gets healthy, your Millsap, whatever, some more minutes with those bench units so they're not as offensively drained. I love. I would love to see him with some Harden minutes or Harden and KD minutes, but again, unlikely, I think, for sure. Yeah, just based off of how Nash has been kind of with the young guys, unless he really pops. But, I mean, like, if there is an injury or guys are out, maybe he can get those minutes and try to earn them. It'd be something. So other than that, like you said, Cam – like, he had some moments where he looked good, but you you kind of understand why he's not playing. And De'Aaron Sharp, I, I don't think is ready for the NBA yet. He has a body, but he just doesn't have the understanding. I'm not sure when he's going to get there. But, Lucas, anything you want to say on Steve on the Steve Nash front? I just thought tonight really was, you know, more than Nash making egregious mistakes. You know, maybe you could say he made a couple with the Aldridge thing. It was just him getting outclassed. Um on both ends, just the creativity uh, was not there. And it felt like his one move was an overreaction, a bit of a panic, you know, the Johnson over Aldridge thing. Um, they just didn't have a lot of answers tonight. And when that happens, whether it's fair or not, you know, people look to the coach for a reason. Yeah, I think there wasn't really counters. I will say for Nash, there were some limitations just given who was healthy and who was in tonight. But like you said, there wasn't a ton of creativity. I feel like this kind of like is a great example of Nash for the night. The Warriors go on that run, I think, to start the third quarter. He calls a timeout and like they draw a play up and it's pretty much like throw Kevin Durant the ball and try to get him a look instead of just like trying to create any advantage with the ATO. Right. You know, tonight maybe was a game they missed D'Antoni. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's an area we'll see Nash develop, hopefully throughout the rest of the season. But Lucas, anything else you want to throw on this one? Not much. Um, you know, this one is not like any, I think any of the other losses they've had this year in that there is no real medicine for this one. Um, I personally take this as kind of confirming some of my suspicions. Without without Kyrie, you know, the Nets aren't, not that they're not a contender, but I don't think they're an A-plus tier team in the league um, where they can beat other best teams on not their best nights. I think that's a good point, too. The Warriors, I don't even think they played their best basketball in terms of shooting-wise. Like, there were shots that they definitely missed. Steph did go 9-14, to but the Nets weren't really on point, and Katie wasn't a superhuman, so it just kind of put them in a deficit because there aren't other guys that can step up. Will that change, you know, with other guys coming back, other guys playing better, maybe changes on the scheme? Maybe, but there are definitely some limitations. I'd say still I'm not going to overreact to a game, you know, 15 games of the season. It still sucks to lose, but I think there's areas where the Nets know they could have been a lot better in this game too. Yeah, there's a high chance. With that being said, there's a high chance this game is on the forefront of nobody's minds, you know, going into the playoffs, which is the ultimate goal. Um, I just think if we look back at the end of this year and it's not as successful as we hope, I wouldn't be shocked if this is one of those early signs, you know. But again, it is – equally as likely that it's a harbinger of nothing. And I also think uh, another fair point would be like, this probably isn't the roster we see going in the playoffs for sure. Like there's definitely at least one or two changes, be it buyout, be it a small trade. I don't know if they're going to, you know, fix the issues or maybe it's a quick bandaid, like you mentioned a couple of times, but we'll see what happens. But Lucas, always a pleasure having you on. Big thanks everybody for listening and make sure you hang around because we got a bonus clip from Jack at the end. Well, 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 what? Do we say about that? Not a lot, to be honest. Get Lamarcus Aldridge in the third quarter. We get KD. KD's off. KD's allowed an off night. He's had one bad out of 15. Not too bad. James Harden. Eh. There weren't many positives from tonight at all, guys. I can't think of anything. Not the worst podcast to miss, to be honest. There's a lot of work to do. Hopefully we get some of the guys back sooner rather than later. Clax, Kai, Paul Millsap, add to that depth. Bombsay Warriors, they're a good squad. But I don't have the energy. I'm a bit deflated. Paddy Mills got the start. I was hyped. But beyond that, there's not a lot of hype to be about. The good thing is, there's always tomorrow night, and hopefully we bounce back against these caps. And that's spoiled. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.